Last week, we covered what the term gospel actually means, and it's great power to bring those who believe and receive it from spiritual death and punishment from God to full life, eternal favor from Him, and all the blessings that Jesus earned on our behalf. Just amazing. There are no words. Therefore, I want to kindly implore you and stress that if you didn't hear that message, just please stop here and go back and listen to episode 21 from last week before you come back to this. It's really essential that you've gone back and listened to that message because what we're doing today is very contingent on your having heard and responded to that gospel message in faith by the grace of God. If you've caught up with the last episode, then welcome. Let's dig into how the root of change is the gospel and what that means in your life and struggles today. Stay tuned. Welcome to the True Food Freedom and Faith Podcast. I'm your imperfect host, Cheryl Sharko, registered dietitian nutritionist and biblical counselor, here to get real with you, my sisters in Christ. Yep, I'm talking to you who struggle with restrictive food rules, chronic dieting, yo-yo diets, emotional eating, and other issues that consume your life, your joy, and your peace. So get your comfy pants on like I did and get ready for some real talk about this journey, real nutrition information, and some real solutions so you can live a life in true food freedom and faith. Hello and welcome back to part two of this critically important series. You know, we don't change by making ourselves change. It sounds strange, right? I know. But as Christians, change comes by first hearing and believing the gospel, which is what we talked about extensively on last week's podcast. And again, if you haven't heard that yet, please go back and listen to that first. You can come right back to this after. Um, As Christians, change comes by hearing and believing that gospel, but then responding to that gospel in repentance and faith and believing it. Then if you've done that, understanding that we are made new and we're now God's own children. We are His and we are new creatures. And then understanding that the Holy Spirit, His very Spirit's at work in you to remodel you. But you also get to participate in obedience to Scripture out of gratitude and in faith. So this causes the growth in Christlikeness and holiness. Now wait, wait, what does this have to do with nutrition or weight loss or eating? Well, nothing directly, nothing directly. But If your underlying problem is actually a sinful root that Christ died to save you from, which is often the case with disordered eating, well, you can be sure that in growing toward Christ-likeness and putting off old sinful ways for the new right ways, those underlying root issues that are causing that disordered eating are going to be dealt with. So it's important to always be keeping our minds on what God has done in that gospel That's what propels us forward in this growth process. It causes us to utterly rely on the truths and the plumb line of Scripture. And it also causes us to utterly depend upon the Holy Spirit to work in us. But you do have a role as well. And we're going to look at that here. So we're going to hit seven points of your role, your part in the change process after having heard the gospel after having been made new with a new heart and spiritually alive or reborn. Okay, so now you are a Christian, you're a child of God, and you're on the process of change. How does this look? Well, number one, 
our job as Christians is to continually look at and recognize the sin in our hearts. Because that doesn't just go away immediately. We have a new heart and new desires, but we still have a lot of old behaviors and thinking and desires. So we need to recognize the sin that's there, or at least the troubling thoughts and emotions that we can recognize. Now, this takes wisdom. It takes time. It's gained as you spend time daily in the scriptures and you get to know his word well. Also, you can get counsel from mature Christians who have been living a long time studying the Word of God, or your pastor, for sure. And some of the root sins, those deep down embedded sins that are causing the issue, and those thoughts that are off, they're tricky to spot at first, and certainly even within ourselves. Sometimes we do need that objective, mature Christian to come along and help us to identify those things as we talk that through. So that's number one, is to recognize that sin. Number two is to find what the scriptures have to say about those issues, about those sins, and what the truth really is. You know, you're going to combat the lies that your brain's telling you or that your thoughts are saying with the truths of scripture. 2 Corinthians 10 teaches us in some of the earlier verses of that chapter that We are to destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. So what that means is everything that we're thinking, everything that we're hearing that is against what God has said in his word, we're to destroy those. We're not to allow those. And then it goes on to say that we take every thought captive to obey Christ. So God's word is true. Our thoughts lie to us all the time. The messages of the world lie to us all the time the time. We're not supposed to just let those wreak havoc in our lives and in our minds. We're supposed to take that captive, submit it to God, and destroy the thoughts that are ungodly. And Philippians 4.8 goes through a whole passage of how we get our minds right and focused on the things of God. And one of the things it tells us to do is to think on what's true. So we're not supposed to just let the lies take over or even just sit there. We're supposed to combat them by thinking of what is actually true. But how do we know what's true? Well, that's what's found in scripture. Okay, so first was recognizing the sin within us. We may need help to do that. We certainly need some time and spiritual maturity to do that. Two was then find what the scripture actually has to say that's true, to combat that sin, to combat those sinful lying thoughts. Number three is to confess to the Lord the sinful thinking and the behavior then commit to turn away from that with the Lord's help. That's called repentance. You know, we don't have to be afraid of identifying sin and repenting. That is the most freeing thing there is. Because 1 John 1, 9 says that he is faithful and just to forgive and cleanse us from all unrighteousness when we repent. Again, amazing, amazing gift that has no other explanation than God's love and grace through Christ. Are you just dieting or has it become something more? And how can you tell the difference? Well, I'd like to put this helpful guide right into your hands that defines what disordered eating is. And if you've lived a life of weight cycling, yo-yo diets, a preoccupation with food rules and the number on the scale, well, you might just be surprised to see what is considered disordered eating. Now, don't let this scare you as I always believe knowledge is power. 
To get your free guide to recognizing disordered eating, as well as every future resource, sign up for the April 2022 newsletter at truefoodfreedomandfaith.com. Link in the show notes. So that was number three, confessing our sinful thinking and behavior and committing to turn away or repenting with the Lord's help. Number four is to learn through our prayer and our Bible study and repentance over time, that lifestyle of prayer and Bible study and repentance and fellowship, what truth and righteousness are and how God is the helper who's faithful to help us in this path. Let's not forget that. Even in our doings, we're still not doing it alone. We're doing it because of what he's done in the gospel and he still hasn't left us alone to do it. He's the one working it in us as we're obedient to scripture. Number five, we're going to replace, as we learn the truth of scripture, we're going to replace those destructive and sinful habits and actions. And again, the thoughts as we talked about with the new and right ones. And we're going to start practicing these. They won't always come natural right away, but we've been practicing sin for many years. Well, now we're going to find out what the righteous behaviors are and replace those destructive, killing, sinful, um, just life-dominating, enslaving, sinful habits with the righteous and good practices as we pray for God's help. Ephesians 4 explains this process a little bit in verses 22 to 24, because it tells us to put off our old self, which belongs to our former manner of life, Remember before we knew the Lord, before we were made spiritually alive, when we just lived to satisfy our desires and our own thinking and our own motivations and our own goals. So we're putting off that old self that is corrupted through those deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of our minds, which is done by the Lord as we came to him in faith, and also as we learn his word and practice that repentance with his help. But then we're to put on the new self, that spiritually alive self that wants to please God. And this is created after the likeness of God, that new self. It's in righteousness. There's truth and holiness. So a good example of that is when I first heard a wonderful teaching by Jay Adams about this, um, he gave a really good example of that putting off and renewing of the mind and the putting on that pattern of life that will continue forever on earth for all Christians. And he was explaining that's not enough just to put off a behavior. We must also be putting on the righteous behavior. His example was, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. So his point was, and scripture's point, really, but he was such a great teacher, and he was saying, is it enough if I just stop being a thief? Well, no. According to scripture, that's not enough. We then have to replace that thieving behavior with the laboring and doing honest work so that I have something to share. It takes both. So that is a really a vivid picture for you because it was for me as well. You know, the next thing, number six, I want to say is James one twenty two is very clear. We are to be doers of the word and not just hearers deceiving ourselves. So that means when I hear scripture, I read scripture, 
I don't want to just go, oh yeah, okay, I'll get to that someday, or I believe it. We need to do it. We need to do it. The scripture said that faith without works is dead. So in other words, if I just believe it, but I never try to put on those new self behaviors, I never work towards change for godliness, is that faith? It's deception. It's a deception of myself. And then number seven, what you need to keep in mind and what I need to keep in mind daily is that we need to abide in God. So in other words, we need to be thinking on Him and what He has done for us. We need to be understanding always His love, the love that He has for you and for me, which wasn't earned by us. It was only earned by His Son, Jesus Christ. And we need to remember His great power, God's great power to keep us and to guide us and to help us in every circumstance. We need to remember that we serve a faithful God who cannot lie and he does not change. We are in great hands. And so it doesn't need to be scary to change. It's a lifetime of working towards this by his help, by the Holy Spirit, with his help, with his love. But we are now able to do that because we're no longer in bondage to sin that we can't get out of. So Overall, yes, change requires doing new things, but the Christian must understand that the change must be toward godliness first. The change isn't by you alone. The change is empowered by God, the Holy Spirit. The change is done as the word of God is obeyed in our lives. The change is a response to the great salvation that God has given us and causes us to want to then live a life to glorify Him. Because of His plan, God's plan to draw you back to Him in a right relationship through the greatest sacrifice of His only Son, Jesus Christ, for the penalty of your sins, for the penalty of my sins, this causes a response in me that wants to then turn from sin, turn from what displeases him and cost Christ his life and such torment to live a life out of gratitude for all he has done for me. Now, this isn't just a change for better life or change for better health. This is the lifelong process of Christian sanctification. You hear me use that word a lot too. It belongs only to those who have responded to the good news of the gospel message in faith and in repentance for their life of sin. And this power to change is exclusive to them as well. God provided one way through his son, Jesus Christ, who bore all of the punishments. So there's not another way. He was punished for our sins. So we come to God through his son, Jesus. Now, if you don't know Jesus as your savior and your Lord, Let this deep desire for change and help cause you to seek out the only one who knows you, the only one who truly knows your sin in your heart, and the only one that has still loved you so much that he provided a powerful solution for you. And let those of us who have come to know Christ by God's grace alone, through faith alone, Remember 1 Corinthians 10, 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Amen. Hallelujah. I'll see you next time.